Welcome to Corizant Technologies, home of the Digital Executive Podcast. Welcome to the Digital Executive. Today's guest is Dr. Tamitha Fenster. Dr. Tamitha Fenster is Assistant Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Weill Cornell Medical College, New York Presbyterian Hospital, with a subspecialty in minimally invasive laparoscopic and robotic surgery. She currently serves as the Director of Innovations and Biotechnology at the Weill Cornell Medical Fibroid Center. She proudly serves as faculty for the Cornell Association of Women Surgeons. Dr. Fenster received her Bachelor of Arts degree from New York University, Master's degree in Biological and Physical Science from Truro College, and Medical degree from the State University of New York Health Science Center at Syracuse. Throughout her career, she has won multiple awards, including induction to the prestigious peer-nominated Gold Humanism Honor Society. Dr. Fenster has invented multiple medical devices and is passionate about using technology to improve health care. Well, good afternoon, Dr. Fenster. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Brian, for having me. I appreciate you jumping on, and I know we kind of did this last minute, but this is exciting. Of course, you know, I'm a technologist, chief information officer, chief technology officer, but I've been in healthcare for like 20 years, and I love what you're doing. I think what you have and what you're going to talk about today, Dr. Fencer, is amazing. And so let's jump into the questions here, and, and we can share with our audience what we're excited about, at least what I'm very excited about. So Dr. Fencer, you have an accomplished career as a surgeon in healthcare, but even more amazing, the story we're talking about, you're going to share today how you're helping patients and their families during this challenging time in the pandemic. Could you just tell us your story and from, you know, your healthcare and where you got to the story today? Oh, thank you, Brian, for giving me this opportunity. We are really eager to get this out. So I'm so appreciative for you giving me the time. It started back in April when my hospital in New York City was inundated by the COVID crisis. There were pop-up ICUs in many, many corners of the hospital, and our staff was really pushed to the max. And being a gynecologist, a gynecologic surgeon, my role as a gynecologist was no longer actively needed because elective cases were canceled. So I offered to help in any capacity I could. I couldn't go home. I couldn't sit back and watch my hospital under such distress. I had to offer whatever help I could. And I started a program that was a doctor liaison program with families where I would round with ICU doctors, get pertinent medical information, then go back to families and call them and give them medical updates. And I employed one of my best friends at at my hospital that I work at, Dr. Mark Schiffman, to help me. And it was during these phone calls to families that almost within the first five minutes of them, families were saying, thank you so much for calling us and giving us these updates, but we really just want to talk to our loved one. We just want them to hear our voice. We want to say hello to them. Please get us a way to communicate with them. And at the time, there were iPads. There were iPhones, but they all required some intermediary. It required a nurse to don or staff to don PPE, go in a room, potentially expose themselves to additional viral particles and exposure. And it required one of the most important commodities of the time, required use of time, which nobody had extra of. So Mark and I thought there's got to be a way that we could arrange a mode of communication that was hands-free and seamless. 
So we started brainstorming and thought, wouldn't it be cool if there was some kind of walkie-talkie system where family at home could push a walkie-talkie button and communicate with the ICU? And we started thinking, okay, we'll call up companies and get them to ship out walkie-talkies to each individual home, which seemed totally impractical. (laughs) So we thought there has to be a better solution. We went to a local department store and found a child's toy. It was a walkie-talkie that connected to an iPhone app. And when the family or a person downloaded the app, they could push the button and it would transmit to the speaker. So this was useful for parents who were trying to keep kids away from iPhones and use them at school, et cetera, to kind of keep their kids in, in check with what was going on in the family. So we thought, wait, this could be modified or brought into the hospital system if we can just fix some of the shortcomings. So when we showed it to our hospital IT, they felt that it was secure and safe because it had standards called the COPA standards for child's devices. So it met certain criteria that the hospital wanted it to meet. But the nursing staff, a lot of the feedback had concerns regarding the speaker as it was in its raw state, because for various reasons, one of which was possible contamination, because the speaker had little holes at the outside. So if it got soiled, how could you properly sterilize it? There were concerns because the cord, which was a magnetic charger to the back of the speaker could pop off. And so it required somebody to go in, put the speaker, the cord back in place, and that required time and maintenance. It was difficult to attach it in the room because it was just a freestanding speaker. So how do you get it to sit in an ICU bed where there's monitors and cords and cables and and computers? And most importantly, there was a button in the middle of the speaker and staff expressed concern that if the button was accidentally pushed, there could be a two-way transmission of sound from the hospital to the outside world that they weren't approving. So Mark and I put our heads together And we designed a case and the case became such a great function that it converted this device into a medical device, essentially. It was a case that protected the outside button, protected the speaker from being soiled, held the plug, the charger plug in place so it couldn't be dislodged. And it allowed the speaker to be attached to any bed or stretcher or wheelchair that the patient was being moved in. We could even label the speaker with the patient's medical record number. So you could keep the speaker with that individual patient. It was really nice because it made the speaker last indefinitely in that if you wanted to use the speaker with a new patient, you could change the case and put a new case on the speaker so that the speaker would have longevity. That's the background of how the speaker came to be. Awesome. I appreciate that, Dr. Finster. The story is amazing, especially you were in really the epicenter of the pandemic in New York. You know, everybody globally has had to make major shifts to adapt to this pandemic everywhere right? Not just in New York, but New York, especially healthcare workers and those patients hit hardest with the virus. Could you share maybe a little bit more about this device and how do you think it could be used maybe in some other settings? Well, immediately we noticed how powerful this tool was, not only for families, but for staff. When patients, families would call and say, please connect us. Now social work had something to offer them and had something to give them. 
And it took on a life of its own because all of a sudden departments in other parts of the hospital were contacting us. So we intended this for the ICU. And within a week, we had requests from palliative care. We had requests from neurology units because patients that were not strong enough to hold cell phones and iPads could simply lift the cover of the case and push the button. So it was almost self-retaining. So to answer your question about where do I see this going, I see this definitely in nurseries, in NICU settings where you don't want a lot of foot traffic. You could put it on a bassinet and moms could sing to their babies before they go to sleep. They could read books. I see a very wide application for religious use. During COVID, clergy wasn't allowed in patients' rooms. If clergy can download the app, they can be bedside anytime that the patient requests, anytime that the family requests. The device that we have is a conference call. So you can have multiple family members anywhere in the world using this device. So I see this as being applicable for years to come because if a family member can't go to the hospital or the rehab or the nursing home where their loved one is, this device brings them bedside. That's awesome. I just love this story. You know, I want to ask you a question that I'm sure my audience is probably going to ask or think anyway. And I know you've done a lot of R&D and testing over the last several months. Can anyone buy this device right now? And is it hard to use? So we want anyone and everyone to have access to this device. We actually have donations from family who has used the device that gave us money to help purchase devices for other family because it was so valuable to them. So we want to make this widely available. We think the device is very simple and straightforward to use, which is part of its beauty. It's one simple button and that's all you have to push. So even if you're in a nursing home or you have Alzheimer's or dementia or something like that, and it's difficult for you to coordinate using a complicated iPhone or an iPad, this is one single button that has to be pushed. And then voice can be transmitted. To hear sound, no intervention is needed. All you have to do is have the speaker bedside near the patient. You don't need to push any buttons. So really anyone can use this device. That's awesome. You know, the customer experience is really one of the most important things in a healthcare setting or when someone is somewhat incapacitated, I think that makes it all the better reason for the use case of this particular device. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And I'd like to do a quick shout out to this product. And I believe it's called Voice Love. Is that correct, Dr. Finster? That is correct. We came up with the name because we were just overwhelmed by the power of voice and how much love you could transmit to a person just with voice. That's awesome. And I know that you're in the middle of building a website. Do you already have the domain name purchase? Meaning that if I shared your website name out at least now, by the time maybe some of our listeners listen in, they might be able to hit your website? Yes. Our website will be voicelove.org. I, yes. I assume. Okay. Voicelove.org. Great. I will share that. And also just for those listeners, if the website's not quite there yet, you can go ahead and donate at the GoFundMe page, which is gofundme.com forward slash F as in Frank forward slash voicelove hyphen program. And again, I will share that out on this podcast on the podcast site and platforms. And we'll also share it on Corazon.com's website as well. 
I really make a point of being personally involved and connected to families and trying to help to the best of my abilities. So we do have an email as well sure. called voicelovedoctors at gmail.com. And I readily check that email and will respond directly back because I do see this as a time sensitive responsibility I have as a doctor to help people. Absolutely. I appreciate you sharing that. And Dr. Fenster, I just want to let you know, it was certainly a pleasure having you on the show today. And I look forward to speaking with you real soon. Thank you so much. The pleasure was really mine. Absolutely. Bye for now. 